see so many of you here and uh, praising God this morning. It was before Christmas that uh, I think I was in the carol service and these three words just came to me. I knew they were from God. They were scripture and they're words that you know. Three words that constitute a sentence. There is a uh, a two-worded sentence in the Bible as well. Do you know what it is? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That's it. Okay. And the three word? The three word sentence in the Bible? Love never fails. It's got a subject and a predicate, so it's a sentence. <laughs> I know my grammar. Well, I know some of it. I don't know all of it. Uh, yeah, these words come to me, love never fails. And I, sometimes you know some things of God, it just comes from nowhere, doesn't it? You're thinking about something else, or, and just it comes to you from this, and it's scripture, I knew it to be scripture. I want to read that passage to you in its context. It's, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's, it is the greatest chapter on love in the Bible. This Christian life is really all about love, isn't it? When you strip everything else away, God is love. He created us because he loved us and he wants us to follow in his footsteps, to love like he loved. Uh, that's what's going to be so exciting about the next world. This theme of love will be so dominant and strong in it, it'll be really quite overwhelming. Let me read this chapter to you. It's often read at weddings, uh, very often. 1 Corinthians 13. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that I can move a mountain or move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. He is saying spiritually, emotionally, socially, physically, I can do everything for God. I can go to the utmost, but if I have not love as the motivator or the root of this, it's not that it's, it's nothing. It doesn't benefit me anything. It might benefit the person that I minister to, but if I don't have love, then I am the one who gains nothing from it. Then he describes, well, more what it isn't than rather what it is. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Now we get this lovely little sentence. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. 
for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfection disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Shortly after those words were impressed upon me, um, it was over the Christmas period, I was watching a film with my family. Uh, One of these films they just turn out on the television uh, every Christmas. Uh, You sort of get used to it. I think this one's been around for about 20 years. So uh, if you watch any television at all, especially over Christmas, you must have seen it popping up. It's a film called Love Actually. Yes? Okay. Um, Love Actually. It's billed as a Christmas romantic. It's sort of around the Christmas time. And uh, to quote, they said, nine intertwined stories examine the complexities of the one emotion that connects us all. Love. Love. It's sort of a romantic thing and, yeah, some funny parts in it and, uh, yeah, it's fine. As I was watching the film, a line was repeated several times and it just struck me, oh, I wonder if that's what love never fails means. It was the phrase or the words, love always wins. It came up several times and it struck me, I thought, is love never wins the same, oh sorry, love always wins. Is that the same as love never fails? It sounds the same, doesn't it? So I thought, I need to go away and look at this, like I do, start looking at the meanings of things and and, um, if it could really mean that. What did my research show me and tell me about this phrase that love never fails? It literally means that love can never falter or fall. It can never stop. Not that it can't fail, but it can't die. It can't disappear. It knows no end. I looked up several translations because all of our Bibles that we have, they're translated from the Greek, well, the New Testament is. The English Standard Version said this, love never ends. The New Living Translation said, love will last forever. The Amplified Bible says, love never fails, it never fades or ends. And the Good News Translation is, love never comes to an end. So when we say, and we read that love never fails, it isn't that it, it can't fail, it never dies. He's talking here about a love that can go on and on and on and on and on without ceasing. Of course, once you see that, you say, oh, well, of course, in context... That must be true, because he talks about prophecy, doesn't he? He talks about tongues, and he talks about knowledge, and he says, they will cease, they will be stilled, and they will pass away. But this love, 
it won't do those things. It won't cease or fail or end or pass away. Somehow this love will go on and on and on and on and on. God has given us gifts. I stand before you because I believe that God has given me a gift, a gift to, to teach and communicate. One day I will stand before God. I cannot boast in my gift because it was a gift. <laughs> I cannot boast in it if it was a gift from God. So it stands to one side. But what I take with me into the next world is my faith, my hope, and my love. And to the extent I have worked with God and allow God to build these things into my life, it is those I take with me into the next world. And the greatest of these that I will take is my love. So just think about this for a minute. Standing before God in preparation for moving into the next world. Maybe you've passed away and, and God has raised you up and you stand before Christ in that physical body. Maybe you haven't and your body's just been changed so you can stand before him. The only thing that he's really going to judge is the love that's in my life. And he'll see it and know it. So knowing that that's the only thing really that counts, that is the most important thing, is what he's saying here. These three remain, and the greatest of these in love, surely, surely between now and the end, what you need to focus on is love, isn't it? In the end, if that's the thing I stand before him, and he's going to examine in my life, that needs to be above everything else, above faith, above hope, above all the giftings, above all my ability, above all my service, above all of that. What's important is the measure of love that he sees within my life and in my heart. The gifts then will cease. The love is eternal. Is it possible that there is a love that I can access that goes on and on and on and on and knows no end? Is there such a love available to me? Is there, can I have this? Have I got it now? How would I know if I had it? How would I know if I could lay hold of it? A love that knows no end. See, in this world, when people love, they do come to an end sometimes. I've known several marriages that have ended, not because of unfaithfulness. The person simply just said, I don't love him anymore. Or I don't love her anymore. And I, I accepted that that was genuine, that was true. Whatever love they thought they had or the love they were exercising, it came to an end and they couldn't continue. They couldn't get up in the morning anymore and keep loving. It finished. I've known several couples like that. It's sad. It's so sad. 
and in every case they were Christians which makes it even more sadder because they had the access to a love that could have so filled their heart that that would never have happened I know in my own life there are things once I cherished not people so much uh, things probably I really loved them I wanted them, I desired them but then it came to a time when I didn't my love for that thing whatever that was it, it evaporated away I didn't, didn't want it so is there two kinds of love then is there a love that fails and ends and is there a love that goes on and on and on just becoming a Christian, do we automatically get this love that goes on and on? Or do we have to do something to acquire it so we can live in the same way that Jesus lived? God is love. Jesus is God. So Jesus must be love. And we're called to be like him, to follow his example. So if we are supposed to be like him, this love of God must be available to us then. Otherwise, he's asking us to do something which it's impossible for us to do. Apparently, in the New Testament, there are two words for love. There is the word filio or philia. That's the first one. It's to do with tender affection we love a person because they're kind or they're sweet or nice or we find them attractive we love them we can love going somewhere or or doing something it's an affection that we have towards it that's a tender affection that's natural love that's the love we have my name is philip it's a greek name it's made of two words phil and ip so you say, oh, Phil, that sounds like love. What's an ip then? <laughs> because that's what I love. Well, an ip is a horse. <laughs> like a hippopotamus is a water horse. So apparently my name says I'm a lover of horses. Well, I'm not actually. I mean, <laughs> I don't dislike them. Um, God created them, so it's in God's creation, so I better appreciate what God has made. But you wouldn't catch me riding one. I wouldn't feed one or want to muck one out or, or do anything with it. I, I appreciate them for what they are, uh, but I don't need to go near them. So um, that's not me really, but I like the first part of my name, Phil. Phil, so if you just call me Phil, that's fine. <laughs> I forget the it bit. And I want to be a lover. I want to love like Jesus loved. I want to love like God loved. Because in the end, that's all that counts. In the end, it's love that gets us through. It's the end. It's love that causes us to, in the most difficult situation, somehow to love, to walk in love, to accept the most difficult things and keep pressing on, keep persevering, as it were. Filio, then, it appears 415 times. These sorts of statistics aren't really important to you. I just want to draw that to your attention. It's a natural love. But there's another word, isn't there, for love? A Greek word. You know it, don't you? Agape. Agape, yes. 
It's used 320 times, slightly less. And it's interesting when you read that word sometimes to look at whether he's talking about filio, natural affection, or agape, the love of God. I mean, if you just read it, I mean, if you're ever looking up the meanings of words, you'll never read anything. I mean, you won't get anywhere. But so, anyway, let me tell you that. I found this very precious verse. It's in John 17 and 26. Let me read it to you, John 17 and 26. It's Jesus speaking. He's in the upper room the evening before he's going to go to the cross. He's got those 11 precious men around him and he's offloading everything he possibly can. He knows they're frightened. He knows they're in a very threatening situation. And so he's giving them the best that he possibly can to sustain them. He won't be with them very much longer. He says this. I have made you known to them. He's talking to his father. He's praying. Father, I have made you known to them. And I will continue to make you known in order that the agape you have for me may be in them. My prayer is the love that Father you have for me may be in them. Is that possible? That the love that God had for his Father could be in us? It must be because Jesus is praying this. He's praying it in faith. Therefore, he's believing that this is going to happen. It may be in them and that I myself may be in them. His prayer is, Father, when I die and go to the cross and I'm risen from the dead, people will put their faith in me And when they put their faith in me, as we all have this morning here, something wonderful happened. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside of me. Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. So he is saying that I myself might dwell in them. Yes, he dwells in you. And his prayer is also that the love of God might also dwell in you. You had to receive Christ. He didn't didn't crash his way into your life. He might have made you an offer that you found it almost impossible to reject. And so you grasped hold of him. You saw how wonderful he was and you said, yes, Jesus, I want you. Come and live inside of me. In the same way, if you want his love, the love of God, the same love that God had for his son dwelling in you, You have to receive it by faith. You understand? Because the gifts of God are his graciousness to us, which means you can't earn them or deserve them or do anything to get them. They are from God's graciousness, his grace. Grace, because they're grace, they're only received by faith and not works. You receive Christ through faith. God's grace, your faith. You receive his love because he says, I make my love available to you. So you receive it by faith. Do you love a difficult situation? Do you love awkward people? Do you love 
the difficulties of life, you see, it's only then that you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I have the grace of God regarding love in my life. I'm running out of love very quickly. I'm, I'm operating by filio. I need some of this agape. Lord, I receive your love by faith into my heart that I might love this person. A love that knows no end. A love that never fails. A love that never stops. That's what God has made available to us. And all the other wonderful graces of God as well. He has made them available to us. The more we know Him, the more of His love enters into our hearts. I have made known, sorry, I have made you known to them. You see, the more he is made known to us, the more we understand God. Why are you listening to this this morning? That you might know God more. That you might have a clearer picture, a bigger revelation. And in knowing him more, his love will fill your heart. The older I get, the closer I get to the Lord. The closer I get to the Lord, the more I don't like myself. I like myself more when I was at a distance from God because I thought I was better than I was. As I get closer to Him, I get more uncomfortable. The, the things that are wrong in me are more obvious. And therefore, I love him more because I can see what he sees more in me. And I love him more because he still loves me, despite of it. You see, there isn't anything that you could do that could cause him to stop loving you. He can love you more. He can. And he wants to. As we draw close to him. In John 3.16 you all know this verse. For God so agape, it said, so loved, so agape the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It tells us something about this love of God that's available to us. It's sacrificial. It's self-giving. The one precious precious person in the world God would have happily surrendered everything first before he surrendered this was his precious son Jesus Christ and he said to get you to have you I will pay the price with my son I will allow him to go allow him to be crucified that I might have you what a sacrificial love we can enjoy in our lives so we first understand love because we all have this filio love. If we've been loved as we were brought up, we understand love better than people who weren't loved. I understand that. But there is something that we can receive by faith and lay hold of. This agape love of God. How is it different how is the love of God different from the natural affection 
The love of God does not arise out of feelings. Natural love does. I like you, I don't like you. You're nice to me, you're not nice to me. That's it, it's all based on feelings. That person's never smiled at me, so I don't like them. They never say a nice thing to me. Why would I want to do any... You don't understand what I'm talking about. God's love is not like that. God's love is based on a will, a choice, a decision. It's supernatural. It's powerful. It's love that is released from our will and not from our emotions. It's what the Bible calls commanded love. It sounds funny, doesn't it, to put command and love in the same sentence. It's as though they shouldn't fit together, but they do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I want to love that I can say, I'm going to love this person. Even they're being really ugly to me. They're saying stuff that isn't very comfortable. They might even be talking the truth, what I don't want to hear. Lord, I want to love them with your love. This love of God does not appear rational in one little bit. It loves everyone. That's ridiculous. It even loves enemies. Oh, see how silly it is? It's not rational at all. What a world, what a world we, we would enjoy if every heart of every person was filled with the love of God. We wouldn't be watching the news because they only put bad stuff and no bad stuff would happen, would it? The war in Ukraine would end instantly. All the other troubles and problems in the world would end instantly. Instantly. They would stop. They would stop. People would flock to the one who loves them. You see how the world is so void of this wonderful thing called love? But God has put you in this world and filled you with his love if you will by faith receive it so you can manifest his love in the world it's called being a Christian isn't it wonderful we can really affect society that much it's God's only remedy for all the sickness for all the poverty for all the strife that's in the world the only remedy is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts and of course God does it through ordinary individuals it's not for preachers to do it. It's for each one of us to manifest the love of God in the workplace, in the home, in the street, with our neighbours. That's the kingdom of God. That's the life of Christianity. This is just a filling station. You understand? Now, go out and love. Go out and do it. Live it. Live this life. Live this life. Make a difference. When those men come to fit your boiler this week, you love them with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And who knows what might happen? <laughs> who knows? You see, we have to be intentional about this. 
when the postman comes. Love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. When you go to the shops to buy something, love that sister with all your heart and soul and mind. You understand? You have to be intentional. Otherwise, you'll just walk around this world with a long face like everyone else. That's all we do. Grumbling and complaining about things. That's not the love of God. That's what made God so upset with the nation of Israel. He had done so much for them and he loved them so much and their only response was grumble, grumble, complain, 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 grumble, complain. It's not good. We need to fill our hearts with the love of God. It extends to everyone, our enemies. It seeks the well-being of everyone. It's sacrificial in its nature, like God's. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. There are not nine fruits of the Spirit. The Word of God is clear. There's only one. It's love. Those other eight things that follow on are the way that love is best manifested. Now, if you teach it differently and believe it differently and see it differently, that's absolutely fine. But it says there is one fruit of the Spirit. And that is love. Love. What implications does that have for us? We can possess a love that never fails, never dies, never runs out, never becomes exhausted. We can possess a love that no matter how difficult the situation, somehow we keep loving them. They don't deserve our love, but they're going to get it. Because somehow within here, we know that it's real. We can do this. We can go the extra mile. We can forgive 70 times, 7 times. Why? Because the love of God is in us. We can find it always possible to forgive the most unforgivable. Because the love of God is in our hearts. Now... It's not wishy-washy. If people do things wrong, you need to tell them it's wrong. You understand? We stand up against things that are wrong and false. And we say, this, this is out of order. I don't doubt for one minute that Peter loved Ananias and Sapphira. Remember? Where they were seeking to deceive the church, deceive the Holy Spirit. And they dropped down dead in front of Peter. I don't think for one minute Peter stopped loving them. But God dealt with the situation. And when Jesus said, was talking to Peter one day and Peter started voicing the very words of Satan himself that Jesus had heard in the wilderness and when he said to him, oh, you surely don't have to go to the cross. God's going to do this another way. That's what Satan said to him. What did he say? Get behind me, Satan. You think, that's not very loving. Of course it's loving. You don't just take abuse, you don't take all of this stuff, you confront it but you make sure in here you keep loving that person and therefore the choice of your words, the way you deal with it will be righteous Christians should stand up more don't worry what people think and say if Jesus has said it's this way you need to say it's this way I love you but it's this way 
And unless you walk this way, I can't walk with you. I'm sorry. That's not the way it is. One last thing about this love. John says, be careful you don't just love with words and tongue. You must love with actions as well. You can love with words and tongue. You can. When I say to someone I love you, I genuinely mean it. I'm expressing something and I hope it will have a positive effect on that person's life. But that's insufficient if that's all it is. I need to do something. I need to act on my love. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. The agape love of God is always, if possible, manifested in actions. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave. We will give. We will give everything that we have. We will not count the cost and hold back. We will be people that will give and give and give and give and give and give. Perhaps I should have made the appeal and not you. And give and give and give and give and give until someone says, you've got to stop now. You've gone too far. Just remember what he said to the Macedonians. You don't have to do this. They were giving beyond their ability. I'm not talking about money. Well, I am. I'm talking about everything you possess. And especially yourself as a person. Can I pray for you this morning? Let's pray. Precious Father, this is such, such a powerful gospel. This is such a wonderful life to step into. Who would resist a life, a world, that is overflowing with the love of God? No one, no one in their right senses, unless they were really evil. Lord, this world is so full of precious people who haven't found you. Lord, fill our hearts with more of your love, we pray, that we would show forth your love, we would testify to your love. Lord, that more would be drawn into the kingdom of love. Do it through us, Lord. And Lord, if there's someone here that has not accepted you as their own personal saviour and embraced you, that you have entered into their lives, will you deal with them now, gently like you do, and cause them to open up their hearts to you? If that's you here this morning... And just say this after me, Lord, I receive Jesus as my personal saviour. I turn from my selfish life to embrace the agape life of God.
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.